Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. Sorry I'm late. Are you? It's very early. It is early. I agree. Oh. 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 <laughs> I didn't even have time to splash water on my face. Why? Do you splash water on your face? No. You never do? No. no, no. I didn't say I never do. Oh. As, I mean, it's not like a thing I do in the morning. Uh, oh. It could be. It could be. Sometimes in the afternoon, my face is hot and my neck is hot and I'll put mm. water on it or a cloth. I'll have a damp, <laughs> a damp cloth like a fancy duchess. <laughs> is that so? You know what? <clears throat> my vapors. face my face and neck never get hot. Please. But when I wake up in the morning, I splash water on my face. Like like I'm kneeling down in a pond mm-hmm. and I see the reflection of a, of a, a, a beautiful uh, Sybil and then I go splash, splash, splash. Sybil, the person with dissociative disorder, or are you talking about Narcissus? What? Um, no, I'm not Narcissus. Hell <laughs> no. You're Narcissus. <laughs> no, you're Narcissus. Mm, thank you. No, no, I just, I have to splash. Mm-hmm. I have to splash. I have a ablution. I, 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 you are not going to get a fight from me on this, my friend. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think, first of all, I think rituals are important. Yeah. And, and, and you should do the things that, you know, that, uh, that give your life a sense of order. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Splash, oh, splash. I'm, I'm being serious. Splash, splash. <laughs> I am too. And the thing is, some for some reason this morning didn't didn't get the splash, and I feel um, I don't know. I feel dry. I have a odd question. Does that? Hmm. Go on. Well, it's um. Uh, I'm projecting. It's a leading question. Okay. Uh, because I sometimes <laughs> do you uh, feel you ever, like that is a you know, thing in your marriage? Do you ever feel like you're not good at uh, life? Um, uh-huh. Now, here's a little story. No, no. Now, so my question to you is: It's very early. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it, Gibson. Um, Go ahead. That, well, you there. Okay, I'm trying to avoid because this sounds like I'm trying to like say something profound. What I'm really trying to say is like I do think ritual is important. So is that something where like do you, do do you look sort of look forward to it as like hey the day has started, or is it more is it a push or a pull? Is it more oh, of a like I need the splash to get things going, or I have the agency to cause a splash that now make, tells me that things are in motion? I see what you're saying. Now I don't um, know if I see what I'm saying. No, no, no. I think I need the splash. I like because the push versus pull. I think that's a useful way to look at it. That is, that is. I, 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 there are times in the day when I need a when I need a, a reboot. Oh yeah. And I go get a splash. Used to smoke a cigarette. Used to have a cigarette. Remember? Used to have them multiple times a day. You call yeah. it a cigarette break. Time to go outside, have a cigarette, think about life, uh, stand shivering in the cold with the other people that are that are similarly uh, afflicted. <laughs> But no, I'll go into the bathroom. I'll turn on the, the face of a black cell in the eerie, looking over the edge, like ah, ah. I'll, I'll get a little sink. I'll get the water running in the sink. Uh-huh. I'm not somebody that needs to fill the sink or anything. I'm not insane, but I just no, put the no, put no. the hands under the put both hands under the the water and go splash splash up in my face splash splash splash. Yeah, I I I I think I totally get it. I, I like the splash splash. And do you like the fact that it's a little bit shocking? Yes, yes, yes. Because your face, you've already stipulated, if memory serves, that your face and neck are never hot. They don't get hot. That's not a problem. In the afternoons, I'm not trying to cool down. Hmm. But then I, we live in the north here, so cooling down is not a. You're you're made of hardier stuff. Well, yeah, it's just less warm. I That's guess. True. And Although you get spiders, yeah. You know, the coldest winter I ever spent was summer Ooh. in San Francisco. 
Um, um, let's see. Look uh, at that S cargo. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That I, was a. I, yeah. That was a. Oh, oh uh, uh, <laughs> I, I left my harp in Sam Clam's disco. Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. Pair of pimples for Harry Fish nuts. <laughs> Just cough up some dough, Mac. <laughs> oh, I've rewatched uh, Master and Commander uh, in the, three times in the last three days. Oh my god! And uh, and uh, there's that wonderful. There's a wonderful scene, and uh, I made my family watch it, which of course is pointless. But I'm like, see, see, see when Captain Jack. You've seen this film, yes? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. I figured you might have seen it in the theater before you were a dad. And now, like me, it's just something you do three times a week. It's basically like dad church. Yeah, I got a text message from a friend the other day that was like, have you ever watched Lawrence of Arabia? Oh, boy. I'm even laughing now just at having gotten the text. I like to watch that and Dr. Zhivago at the same time. <laughs> I do, too. You know, you sync them up. You sync them up. And yeah, it's, and then you can, you, can, you can hear Dave Gilmore leaving the band. Um, the, uh, the thing I was going to say though, was there's a, you know, first of all, Paul Bettany, I, I, I went, I've been going off a little bit on the internet about this cause I watch it all the time now. I do think in that film, Paul Bettany might have shown himself to be one of the handsomest men. Wow. Okay. As the doctor. Oh yeah. I know who he, he plays is. cello. I've seen yeah. this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you're feeling that he is handsome oh, in that I'm, film. I'm just covering a few things, but what okay. I was going to, what I said was that, uh, you know, there's the, the bit where there's the, there's a the bread on the plate and he says which one of those weevils would you choose right uh-huh. i don't uh-huh. spoil it but no no it's it's a great punch it's a great it's a great bit and it comes it comes back later like so much in this wonderful film mm-hmm. which is really kind of three films it's long enough to be four films but 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 i, I really i like i like that scene a lot and i and i like it when paul bettany says to to captain lucky lucky jack he says something like he who would pun would pick a pocket oh you know yeah, I should put I should put that in a I should engrave that in a sign and put it in front of Ken Jennings's station. Does he have a problem? He's a punter. So, see, a lot of folks can't stop. Yeah, well, he. It's too. a shame that it's the smart people who pun because they're the ones who ought to know better. Yeah, well, I keep telling him that stop doing that, and he's like, I can't help it. I mean, and it's really I, I hate to put it this bluntly. You hardly ever pun. Well, it's very and, rare. And to, to quote one of my favorite comedians, Stuart Lee, whenever he looks at the camera and says, "See." I know how to tell a joke. I just choose not to. <laughs> it's so important. It's so vital that those of us who can pun not. Yes. yes. And you know, I'm, I, and again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be crude about this, but I think it's a little bit like, for example, a, that's what she said joke. Oh yeah. And now your options on that, I guess there's technically three options. Well, there's more, but like there's never do it at all. Right. There's do it constantly. Doing it constantly can be very funny. As yeah. any in joke one had in high school, you know. You said like whether that's for us, it was like no soap radio. Like there was there are some dumb lines that like you remember that remember that the anti joke? Oh. Yeah, well, I mean no mustard was ours. Oh, I didn't know no, that one. Yeah, no mustard. We should do an all jokes show. Um, no mustard. But you know it, with, oh. with uh with, with with Ariella, I do the there's your boyfriend. And it's always real low. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, this might be something like we do. Wait, There's is it when boyfriend. some grotesque is on screen? No, no, no. It's oh. when we're out in the town and somebody <laughs> and somebody rides by on a mo- on a unicycle. I'm like, there, there's your boyfriend. <laughs> we and just saw. Yeah, go ahead. It always gets her because she's never looking at the person, right? I always see the person first. 
And I'm like, there's your boyfriend. And then she turns and it's a guy, it's a guy on a unicycle or, you know, or, circus music playing. Yeah. Or somebody wearing a top hat or somebody juggling. A penny farthing. Somebody a just penny like, farthing, like honking a horn. And the other day we were standing out in front of a restaurant or something and she was distracted and a guy walked by big, you know, big head full of blonde dreads wearing like a, like a formal, like a tuxedo jacket, but, but. Blue jeans and well, sandals. Hang on, I started typing. Start that again. I want to hear every every inch of this. I, we're we're standing out in front of Le Pichet. We're trying to get everybody in the car. We've taken a, we've taken one of the little one's friends with us to the top of the Space Needle, and uh, and now we're now we've stopped by Pichet. We're not going to have food. We're just stopping by to say hello to Susan. Stopping by just briefly. It's a hectic time Saturday night. A lot of people going. You know, everybody's in motion. Pichet's not a big restaurant, so you can't just come in and it stand like around. Bakery. It's ba- it's mo- moving, 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 you know, and 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 Saturday night it's crazy. Susan's making 50 drinks, and I walk in there with two little girls and uh and my daughter's mother slash partner. And I'm like, D- I'm doing what my dad did. Hey, I'm just coming in to say <laughs> hi and put these kids right in everybody's way, and I'm gonna stand here right where you guys are trying yeah. to work and just <laughs> give everybody a big hug. Um you're welcome. I'm here. Yeah. That's right. And then I, so we stand there. Mr. Guy. We stand there for a little bit, just in everybody's way. Little girls not even wanting to be there, not knowing what's happening. Dad, and then dad, we, dad. And we I push them all out of the of the restaurant. We're standing there on the on the side of the street. It's downtown Seattle, Saturday night. People moving around. And a guy, big guy, walks by, blonde dreadlocks hanging down the middle of his back. Huge head of blonde dreadlocks. He's wearing a tuxedo jacket, but blue jeans and sandals. <laughs> Oh, that's a lot of look. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> Ari's trying to herd these little girls into the truck, which of course I have parked right in front of the restaurant. You know, Rock not even parking, fl- not even flashers on. Just like, hey, if a if a cop had come by, I would be like, hey, cop, how are yeah. you? Right there, he is, counselor. Getting him in, and the guy walks by, and I I, I give uh, I give Ari a little nudge, and I go, I can't be- I can't believe he would walk by and not even say hi after all these years. After all the years you went, to, and she's like, what, what? And she turns, and the impact of it, the impact of the whole thing, it's just, every time it's like just getting whacked with a, with a lacrosse net. Because over time you get net. more, yeah, yeah, but as the teller of that, you learn various ways to spring it on people. Oh, yeah. You got to spring it. Or like, you know, and then eventually like, you get sweaty like me, and you go, oh, shoot, one more thing before we go. Um, <laughs> God, I almost forgot. There's your boyfriend. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website and engage with your audience and sell anything, whether that's your products, the content that you create, uh, even your own time. Uh, so much you can do with Squarespace. You can create a community on your very own Squarespace site with a fully integrated commenting system that supports threaded comments, replies, and likes. And you can use Squarespace's powerful blogging tools to categorize, share, and schedule your posts. All Squarespace sites are optimized for mobile, so they look great right out of the box. Uh, your, your content will automatically adjust to whatever template you choose. Uh, your site looks great on any device or dingus. And maybe you want to save time on cross-posting. Well, you can. It's built right in because Squarespace can auto-post your stuff to Twitter, Tumblr, 
Facebook, uh, personal or brand pages. All post entries and images are optimized and tagged, so descriptions and titles will be correct uh, wherever you are posting. I'm a big fan of Squarespace, and, uh, and you're using Squarespace right now because that, of course, is where we host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Uh, they've been great to me, and they're going to be great to you. So head on over to squarespace.com slash supertrain. Get yourself a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code SUPERTRAIN. That's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once again, squarespace.com slash supertrain, offer code SUPERTRAIN for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Oh, yeah. You got to. You got to. We have one. We have one. String them along. We have one that uh, started with my kid and me, but now, of course, I say this to him. To my late friend, you ever say, uh, that's you? Oh, there's you. Yeah. We say you, you do that, you. right? So, like, for All example, the there's this there's fella. You. I'm sending you a, 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 an image of a character from a Star Wars movie, one of the prequel movies. And when they land on Coruscant, you, you'll know this. When they first land on Coruscant, you know, and they mm-hmm. go there, and there's this guy in the oh, background. Oh, yeah. There's he's, you. He's, he's, a, he's kind of a, he's a Twi'lek who's looking uh-huh. on the, on the, um, he's, he's a chonk Twi'lek. He chonk. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> You know the Twi'leks are sexy, typically. Oh, absolutely, very sexy uh, a planet, and this is an, a non-sexy Twi'lek. Maybe to you, <laughs> right? Of course, right. I don't want to get more Twi'lek than Sinatra. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want a head. Uh, what, what are those called? Head flange shame. I know they're not I mean, ears. So Katano has a two, of course. Oh, but, she but sure does. As soon as the guy shows, I can already tell the kid back in the day would be like bracing. And I, I go, hey, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. And I always thought yeah. that I, was, I regarded that as funny. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so the other, the other, so I'm doing the thing now, the other dad thing, which is we were at a bookstore. Uh huh. She comes up with a couple of books. I want to <laughs> get these books. I go, let's see the books. Tell me about the books. Tell me why you want to get these books. They're both graphic novels. Oh, and she says, interesting. Okay. She says, well, I've read them both, but only once. They were someone else's, and now I want my own. Uh, because she's a, she's a, she reads them over and over. Wow, awesome. And so, so I looked at them, and, and we looked at each other. And there was the, there's, we're right at the issue, we're right at the point now where I'm I'm well aware that we live in a universe where there is a there is a, a certain kind of adult that says if your kid is reading that alone is amazing don't get involved in your kid's reading congratulations none of the ex- John let me say to our listeners the trip none of the extremes are correct right there there's and no extreme to this that's correct so my child and I are now engaged in a conversation around a dialogue the, a dialogue around the question what is what is the reading material that we are aspiring to? And what is the reading material that is the equivalent of a warm bath? And what is the reading equivalent that is just the equivalent to holding your bunny and sucking your thumb? Because there's a lot of reading stuff, especially if you're a a multi-reader, if you read a book multiple times, on the ninth read-through of Big Nate's uh, Funny Day or... um, you know, the 15th read through of I, Jesus, I don't even, <clears throat> some of these books I've seen so long, like they're, 
I feel like that I've been friends with these books for 15 years, and Could she's it only be 12. like a diary of a wimpy diary kid? Diary of a wimpy kid. That kind of thing? Yeah. Over and over and over and over. <clears throat> At what point- I like when the you... one where they go on the trip. Oh, they, that's, they're all wonderful. I love right? the little, little, little baby. But we have 4,000 books in our home. I know. And when I see her reading uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, uh, uh, one, I know she's read a thousand times. I go, now, what are you getting out of that book now? I know what you've gotten out of that book, but right this second, are you reading it for what? Like, tell me about it. I'm not, I'm not telling you you can't. I'm saying, tell me about it. Tell me all your crazy dreams. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and I... I, I say, look, I'm it's a- all of your advice in the form of a Billy Joel song. <laughs> typically, typically mm-hmm. she has memorized. Listen, you've, been, you've been living in, in an uptown world. So she's been, she has memorized all the lyrics to we didn't start the fire. No, because she knows I hate the song Ugh. and she has not only memorized them, but she's gone through each one of these boomer deep references to like the first president of South Korea or whatever Billy Joel is on. Yeah. And she has insisted that I explain each reference. Oh. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, the Korean War. <laughs> and, and she's just like, so now she can spit this song at me whenever she's mad at me. Right. And and not just be like mouthing the words, but she has some semblance of like, and that's the first president of South Korea. Anyway, so I said, look, we need to review our library. because And I... And, and the key was, I said, look, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that a teacher's job is to educate children. A teacher's job is to help you educate yourself. Mm. And if you're not educating yourself, if you're not challenging yourself, teacher's not going to. They're not going to force you to read Tom Sawyer. I'm not telling you to even read Tom Sawyer. I'm just saying, Big Nate, Wimpy Kid, book number 17 at 12 years old, your mind is starting to blow up. It's hungry for stuff. What are you giving it? What are you feeding it? So the notion of, I understand it's, this is about the question, not about a given piece of advice, but would you like to see her challenging herself a little more with new material? Is that it? What I'm saying is that there are multiple, just like television, we talk about television all the time, just like television, there are books that you read when you're sad. There are books that you read for comfort. There are books you read in the bathtub. There are books you read on the toilet. And then there are books that you that you read that are hard for you. You know, books that require that you lean into the book. And if you don't have those books in your diet, it's a it's not a complete diet. What is the book right now that you're reading that is aspirational? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I, you keep saying you want to l- read Little Women. That that I think you can. So where is little- to see the Greta Gerwig movie first? She she has seen the movie. That's a very good movie. She wants to read it, right? She wants to read it. She's never read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, because she's right on the edge yeah. of wanting it. And, the, and but, books, books like that were around and accessible, but also felt a little edgy. Yeah, right. When, and I mean, so, what I'm saying is like, when, like uh, for context, for anybody who's not almost 60, when John and I were younger, there were books that were available. There were books that were super available, and there were books that like were around, but like it wasn't the kind of thing like your Sunday school teacher wasn't going to encourage you to read. It's right. not like Judy Bloom was trying to like you know turn you into some kind of a mutant, but you could find stuff that was like a little bit more like you know even some of the S. E. Hinton stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like Pigman and stuff like. Is that was that S. E. Hinton? I want to say 
Well, that book, Pigman, which I think is by S.E. Hinton, but you know, one of those kinds of books where you're like, oh, there's something, there's some stuff to this that's kind of challenging. Um, yeah, you need to, you need the words to, are hard, a bit but the them. concepts are going to take some, you know, some thought. Yeah, flowers for Algernon. Like, where are you? Where are you headed next? I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're ready to read a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and that's just for fun too. Oh, like, she's totally ready to. Read. Well, but there's just there's, it's like it's like I feel like there's a six month more. She needs to know one more president of South Korea before she's gonna really get mm. the jokes. I'm not sure. She loves Monty Python, but three quarters of it over her head. I don't like understand three quarters of it. Yeah, still, even still. But so as part of this, so she's like, well, I want these two novels. And I go, okay. So I get her the, the graphic novels. And then we get home immediately. She runs into a room, comes out with a big box of books. She's like, I'm ready to give these away. I'm like, really? And we, we go through the books and I see, you know, some of them are legitimately terrible books. I don't know how they came into the house. Some of them are like, oh, don't you really like this book though? She's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm ready to get rid of it. Probably from a book fair. And a little friend came over a, a couple of days later, and she was like, do you want any of these books? And the friend was appalled that she was getting rid of any books. Obviously, this little 11-year-old girl is somebody that's going to have a library that chokes her like my library does. And I was so proud of her. Like, okay, get rid of these books. And she was like, but I'm holding on to the Archies because I feel like they have – I feel like Archies have a lot to, to – I th- feel like we could all learn from Archie comics. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not wrong. You're not wrong. But so I have this thing with the movies too. Mm-hmm. And she wants to watch the same goddamn movie. She wants to watch the, and believe me, I understand children today. We didn't get to watch the same goddamn movie, did we, Merlin, when, now that we're 60? No, no. People slightly younger than us who had VHS tapes could watch Pinocchio every day. I listened to the same Sesame Street audio cassette. That was That's true. I had, the, I had the 45s. I had the Sesame Street 45s. <laughs> C is for cookie. Is it? Not the disco one, the original one. The OG, yeah. Abkadefki, Jekyll, Monaco, Stewart says, yeah. So I said to her, look, okay, tonight daddy's going to pick the movie. And she's like, ah, uh, your movies mm. suck. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 they do. But they're wonderful. And she was like, I did not like, like this movie. She like to watch a four-hour movie about a boat. <laughs> she's like, I did. Yeah, that's right. Fitzgeraldo is our movie tonight. <laughs> no, no. You got you to gotta, you gotta sit down and watch the entire Master and the Commander. The whole yeah. thing. So I said, what about Master and Commander? And no. Said, yes. Wait, you let that kid watch. I'm sorry. No offense. But like, I'm just in the, the logic of Master and Commander before Hitchhiker's Guide. Because Hitchhiker's Guide has too many references. Is that it? Yeah, That's yeah, what helped re- me it's out ref- for a while. It's references. The joke, in order to, if you read that book and you're not laughing, cr- like, tears streaming down your face, right. then it, it was too early. Yeah. Right? I mean, and why make them, why, ma- why have them lose the joy just because they can read the words, right? But Master and Commander, she oh. already knows about Bonaparte. She already <laughs> she's been around Grandma. She's been around Grandma. She yeah. knows what it you know. She Old knows what it's apart. like to to <laughs> slam a glass down on the table and go Bonaparte. You understand? He's taking the war to the south. <laughs> That's right. You know she knows where South America is, and so oh, and she's read the kids' version of Moby Dick. Huh. So she. But the, but the thing is, I don't. I think you can watch Master and Commander forty times in your life, just like just like Gladiator movies, or specifically Gladiator. Yeah, she doesn't want to watch Gladiator. She doesn't want to watch Master and Commander. And her mother looks up from her newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been there the whole time. <laughs> Over the top of her reading glasses, and she goes, "All boys, there are no girls in Master and Commander." 
And that's I'm like, true. well, there's a girl well, with a parasol at one point, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Isn't there a fever dream of a girl at some point? Maybe not. Look, Lucky but, Jack's checking out one of the, one of the native ladies who has a parasol, but right, I, I, right, I take the right. point. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, come on there, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking about the 60 movies that I'm encouraging her to watch that also have no girls in it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, you, yeah. and so I say Gattaca mm-hmm. and there, and a cold wind blows through the room. Gattaca. Cause I know her mother loves Gattaca and I'm like Gattaca. And we both, we do that, uh, we do that, uh, common sense media thing in our minds where we're like, what's in Gattaca? Oh, where your Terminator heads up display is running through everything that's in it. Yeah. Any swears, any sex, any gore. No, there's none of that in Gattaca. It's just pure civic dystopia, pure 100% (laughs) slow moving civic dystopia. Yeah. Involving a lot of panicky DNA talk. Jude Law. It was the first time I ever saw Jude and, Law. Uh, and also- um, He's so beautiful. It's got the the woman I like from Kill Bill. She's in it, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. Also one of the- I guess I'd seen her already. And then who's the other one I always forget? Is it Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. There you go. Oh, I love him. And of course, we'd seen him already in uh, Dead Poets Society. Yep, 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 yep. So there's a, there's a, there's a general- So our child acquiesces, but, but really sad about it. And we watch uh, Gattaca all the way through. She, she keeps her attention. And, really? uh, and we get to the end, and I'm like, so what did you think? And she's like, that's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Why would you show that to me? And then she, you know, slumped shoulders, goes upstairs and goes to bed, puts herself bed. to bed. There's no more TV tonight. Yeah, puts herself to bed, and I'm like. You filled the entire programming block <laughs> with something your child did not want to watch. Leaving well, not absolutely a- no room, barely time to brush teeth. Not only that, but like. Oh, remember all the you remember the bright future that you had to look forward to? Well, there's also this version. Right. And she's like, "Oh, and I I have no idea whether today she's she's spinning on it or whether she does the kid thing of just pushing it out pushing it off of her plate and onto the floor. No idea." And I'm and but part of me is like, "Yeah, what about Master and Commander now?" There, you know, that's a cheery story. Oh. <laughs> That's that's fun. It's they, really it's it's film as corporal punishment in some ways. Well, you know, <laughs> I'll give you a reason to cry. <laughs> like if we're oh, gonna oh, watch. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Did you not like Gattaca? <laughs> well, how about we do a festival of uh, Tartovsky films? We'll just if sit we're down gonna and do watch a bunch of Russian, a bleak, long ass Russian movies. Six six straight days of Adventure Time and Star Wars cartoons. Yeah. Then something's got to, there's got to, you know, you got to stick the landing on something. Yeah. It's, so, you don't strictly mean it as an eat your vegetables thing. No, 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 no. I'm just hoping that, that, I mean, I think that when she comes out of these movies and she's like, that was really terrible. I don't think she really means that it was terrible. I think that she means it wasn't fun. And I'm trying to say that there are, you know, that Ooh. not everything is fun. <clears throat> but you know that's that's it's what sometimes I, fun is punishment. That's what I was taught. So it's not all fun. Not Look everything's I fun. Out. I know, and I'm fine. You are fine. I live in a house. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I own. I own a, a handful of guitars. I've got. Mm-hmm. You know, right over here. The only of, real wealth is land. <laughs> I got. I got a stack of books over here about the Great Alaska Pipeline. Oh, that's nice. What, yeah. What can you? What can you say? You know. Not everything yeah. is fun. I mean, you fun. know, it's, I don't know. It's too much to 
get into. It is challenging though, because the bit, the bit in our house, and this is a bigger bit on other programs, but we've talked about it here is that, well, it's complicated because one of the things is I do, I do try to stay increasingly out of the way of my kid's taste because Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate to have a kid with like pretty good taste. And also that was not true for you for the first 10 years. No, I always felt like I had to regulate it a little bit. And I was a little bit of a Martinet about, you know, I, I didn't state, I don't think I stated it this way, but I, at least in my own head, my the thing was, okay, you know, all kids like garbage TV. I loved garbage TV sure. like and, or, or movies or, you know, I, I think one way to look at it though, and, and this, I don't mean this as a contravention, but you never know what it is wh- where your young person is trying things out and being vulnerable in ways that you can't see. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, you know, maybe the re- comfort reading comes at a time that there's another aspect of the person's life where there's challenges happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And is it like we're more than what we read? But I, I do take your point, and I'm happy when my kid reads something good. I, th- I don't know if I told you the anecdote recently of taking out the trash cans and hearing, hey! And I, I think I told Alex this. I look up, and I see my kid on the exercise bike and holds up a copy of White Noise. Because my kid's, who has chosen to do for PE credits is doing exercise biking, reading white noise. And I was like, wow, I think I got one of the good ones, you know, they, yeah. m- mom and junior went to, amongst other things, they went to the, um, the cherry blossom festival in Japantown yesterday. And then went, nice. went to a goodwill and the, my kid came home with three things I'm aware of from the goodwill. The first was a copy, uh, uh, a paperback copy of, and the band played on by Randy Schultz about, you know, the, the, the terrible way America handled AIDS from a very San Francisco point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, also brought home, I wasn't sure, it looked like a vanity printed tract about black rights, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. And then an entire photo album of somebody meticulously documenting a 1998 pr- high school production of Guys and Dolls with oh. photos, with oh. programs. And so, so the kid comes home, has got some stuff to read, but it's also now has a project to try and find all of these people 25 years later. Whoa, what? And a research a, project. Well, because you understand, like, this is this, this beautiful, like, it had the program inside the equivalent of, like, a, you know, uh, like a comic book bag. Like, everything had been kind of beautifully preserved. And I was like, I wonder if that person meant to throw this away. This seems like it was probably very precious to somebody. Right, and he Somebody goes, "Oh no, I'm, be, I'm way ahead of you. Like, I've already, dead. I found two people on Instagram with this name in New York, and blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Oh God, you're such a creep. I'm so proud of you." Yeah, with the eventual that's... goal, because you know, but you, you just, you, you never know. But it does. It, I don't know. It, it hurts your heart sometimes the way you see a kid. I don't know where you're like, "Oh, I wish somebody pushed that kid a little more at a certain point," but also then you got the parents who are just doing nothing but pushing the kid and. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Every, every once in a while when we talk about this, I get some <clears throat> letter from some panicked 30 year old who's like, never intervene in your child, you know, blah. And, uh, I know a lot of kids her age that just play video games all day and she doesn't have unlimited exposure to her. You know, she does not have unlimited exposure to media. She doesn't come in and turn on the TV. She doesn't have an iPad. She's not allowed to sit in front of her computer for hours at a time. Yeah. And yeah. all of that is a pol- are policies instituted by her mother in order to protect her from social media, the internet. I mean, her mother's in internet security and is maybe a little yeah, a lot over. Of people who make the technology 
A lot of people who make the technology are the most conservative about what they want their kids to be exposed to. Yeah, that's 100%. So she lives... My, my kid's best friend from childhood whose parents made technology uh, that sent their kid to Waldorf school. Yeah, exactly. Honestly. Like, right, until, just to play with until, like, wooden yeah, toys. Until yeah. they ran out of Waldorf. Like, like She's the last person in our family <laughs> to actually consume the majority of her media in paper books. Like, the last time I read a... a, a a long, like an actual paper book was a month ago. And I think my mom still does, but our daughter is perfectly content with paper books, but she is starting to agitate for a phone because she does want to text her friends. Right. And her mother is like, yeah, I know you want to text your friends. And that way lies ruin. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to intervene there, right? I'm not going to get in between those two about it. But for me, like if we're going to watch one hour of television a night, for it to be, you know, for it always to be geared to a 10-year-old is not, I mean, at that point I'm suffering, but also <laughs> right, right. like that's not what how we watch TV. We didn't, I wasn't allowed to sit in front of the TV all day. We had- There's also only had, so much TV if you chose to consume, like there's only so much. Again, back to the original right. like three to five channels. Well, and also at time. 8 p.m. stuff started to break toward adults. If you were still watching TV at yeah, 8. Not, 9 especially. There was 8 o'clock. Right. 7 to 9 was the family. They called it the family hour or whatever. Remember? And then like, and then at 9 is where you might, especially in the later 70s, you might start seeing more like, oh, God. The time I accidentally watched the Helter Skelter, uh, <laughs> it's very upsetting to me as an eleven-year-old. But no, it, it's 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 difficult. It's multivariate, and you're always trying to hit a moving target. I mean, not kill a, a child, but like, but your our role oh. in all this is constantly changing. And but and think about what we watched in 1980. I mean, I I tried to show her Eight Is Enough. Like, oh, here's a television show that I liked when I was about your age. Let's yeah. watch Eight Is Enough. It's garbage. And the, but you know, the first episode of eight is enough for the pilot program, which incidentally stars Mark Hamill in a supporting role pre pre star Wars. The first episode, like one of the kids is on drugs. Mm -hmm. One of the kids is having premarital sex. One of the kids is, is threatening suicide. And she's like, what are you showing me? And I'm like, this was what we watched as kids. I couldn't believe it. Right. I couldn't believe how much. And at the time it was like, oh, this is you know, edgy television, cutting edge that we're going to talk about the real stuff. Rel relevant. Relevant. Yeah. But as social issues, social issues, as yeah. a 10 year old, I was, this was like considered family TV. And I watched all these terrible movies, terrible by conventional standards. Like how many of the jokes did you get it when you watched airplane? You were how old? 12? Uh, I mean more than I should have because my family liked the movie airplane. Yes. And so I got those jokes, but no, I mean, a lot of it went straight over my head in terms of the, like, I, I got that that was a joke about this guy being gay, but you know, the, some of the subtlety of that stuff, the gladiator movies and whatnot did go a little over my head. <laughs> but like, I want to show her airplane and the jerk and her mom is like, I don't know. And I'm like, I get it. But, but when See, I was 12, I, I, I was go gobbling. I would go for breaking away. Breaking away. You don't, Good I choice. Mean, the problem is John. I'll speak for myself. Go ahead. A lot of these movies were like, I, like, for example, I mean, I was not the biggest Caddyshack fan in the world, but I, no, was, me either. I was around, no, just because I hadn't seen it. I couldn't see R-rated movies. Oh, I but, see. But that was part of it. But anyhow, but like, you know, um, it's when we go back and, and you go check, look at the stuff where that's eight is enough or, you know, there's all kinds of movies where in my head, I'm like, gosh, I wonder if, I wonder if this could be fun to watch with my kid. 
if the, like this, like something like the the grossness of Animal House probably kind of out, outweighs the the comedic value. But honestly, like a movie like Breaking Away is kind of a four quadrant smart family film. Right. It's a good one. It's a good one. It, it's also, got... it is really funny. It's really well done. It's so weird. It's I mean, it's not technically an independent. I think it was made by one of the major studios. But you remember that was one of the first movies I remember that and like Return of the Sakaka Seven and like. Because, of course, I watched Siskel and Ebert on PBS when I was a kid, and I knew about these movies. Like, I mean, I feel like Breaking Away was one of the first movies, at least in my own mind, I understood to be kind of like, oh, it's kind of independent. It's kind of European. It's kind yeah, of... Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But yeah. I'm... But, you know, but I'm... I, I bet it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, right? No, but... No, no, it does It doesn't. But there are, there are uh, probably good movies like that. But in that, I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, trying to level up to something that's smart... And potentially very enjoyable. I was very, I, there's no way for me to predict, let alone guarantee this, but I was very happy, whatever it was, four or five years ago, when we first watched that together with the kid. Yeah, and yeah, the kid yeah. liked it. And, um, you know, I just got to shut my mouth about like, oh, look, that's the guy that's, you know, now I'm like, oh, that's Jackie Earl Haley. Like he's, he's the guy on, you know, um, oh, the Patrick Warburton show with Griffin Newman, the, the tick, like he's the bad guy on the tick. And that guy is the voice from the Wonder Years, which is a show that you haven't seen. And right. that's a Quaid. <laughs> that's a Quaid. One of the Quaids. That's the good Quaid. <laughs> yeah. It's a And and she and know. she likes she likes uh I always get them wrong. Randy and uh Dennis. Den Dennis's son is on a show my kid likes called The Boys. Oh, so it's a Quaid. He's very handsome. Are any of the Baldwin sons and daughters in show business? On religious networks now? Oh, oh right, right, I, right, I, I have, right. I have no idea. Boy, the Baldwin's, what a story that is. But uh, the, like, that's what I'm trying to say is like, there, there, I do feel like there's some little bits of like needle threading one can do. And as far as the like, I mean, I, I guess one reason I'm being a little bit resistant to something like Bechdel Test or there's no women is, is like, well, yeah, was, and a lot of movies where women are in it and it's horrible. Like, it's more like, you know, are there story, what are the stories telling us about the world rather than what's the body count on, you know, boys versus girls oh well that's the thing about the bechtel test there's a reason it is <clears throat> and it's because up until very recently if women no were in a movie they were talking about a dude yeah no movie passed the bechtel test and i'm not somebody that's going to retroactively no, know, apply know, the Be bechtel test to every but film. I'm, I'm trying to, i'm trying to respond to what i perceive to be ari's understandable oh, sensibilities sure, 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 about sure. saying like well representation <clears throat> matters and getting people out in front oh, like oh no i don't think that's what she's saying i think she's saying oh we're going to be I bored. I thought she was a sausage party. Well, she is, but she's going to. She what she's saying is we're going to be bored mm -hmm. by what because this is. She says this type of thing all the time. That's a boy movie. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not a boy movie. Right, it's right, a right. history movie. And she's like, it's a history movie for boys. And I'm like, there's. And she's like, no. And right. she's speaking now just from her own aesthetic. When she went to see Master and Commander, she was like, this is like playing with GI Joes. This is like, and back then you couldn't even tap on the button to see how much longer it is, and go like, "Oh my God, we're only a third <laughs> of the way." It feels like this has got to be almost over, sweetheart, sweetheart. They haven't even rounded the they horn. Gone, they haven't even gone to Galapagos yet. <laughs> but she does definitely throw that on me sometimes, yeah, where yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "That's a movie for boys," and I'm like, "Wool, wool, wool, no," and she's like, "Yes," and I'm and, like, yeah. "Wool, wool, wool," but you know, how can you say that Gladiator? isn't a movie for boys kind of it, yeah sort, sort 300 of. you know those kinds of things i mean 300 for sure 
<laughs> well, I'm not in any hurry to show that movie to anybody. I have a funny angle on this that's coming in, you know, from from a pretty wild, uh, pretty wild angle, which is uh, something I, I've started thinking about. That I don't know. I guess I realized this really, really slowly. And setting aside for a moment that everybody has different tastes, everybody has different sensibilities, and everybody has different moods. Whenever we try to say fuck all about the the world. I mean, haven't we learned by now that everybody's different and you really can't say stuff about youth and all that kind of stuff? But setting that aside for, for, for just a minute, I, I, I think I realized something that's worth being aware of, which is yeah, there's never any guarantees. Oh, you liked him in this movie, so you'll like him in that movie. Or, oh, you like this book that I perceive as being similar. None of that stuff is reliable. But, right. but one of the things that I think is interesting is... um. Okay, so for example, if you, I'm trying to think of a really good example of this, but you've read books where, yes, there's books where that are hard to follow, but y- you do get the feeling like, oh, there's something here I'm supposed to follow and I'm not following. Or so obviously there's movies like that. If anybody can explain the plot of The Big Sleep to me, well, good luck. I still love <laughs> The Big Sleep. It's one of the great movies. It's just a delight to watch, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like a lot of like, you know, mysteries from the Deschel Hammett era. But anyway, um, don't email me. But, but okay, so what I'm trying to get at is this. I'm confused right now as I read this, or I'm confused right now as I watch this. Is it because if you're my kid, what I came to realize the breakthrough was my kid's assumption is that if he's watching something and doesn't understand what's happening right now, it's because he missed something and now it's too late or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like we are reading something. What I'm trying to get at is one nice thing about being exposed to a lot of texts is, well, just in general, you do get a better sense of patience about, well, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to know what's going on yet. Maybe part of the story is that little bits of this are revealed at a time. And like, it's not linear and not a classic linear story that hews to one of the 37 situations or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's one thing that's difficult though, is like if the kid, there have been times now, and I'm not saying this helps, but on more than one occasion, this is a line I learned from my ex-wife. You know, you're watching the same movie I am. You sit, you sit down and somebody's confused two minutes in. They go, I don't understand what's happening in this movie. And you go, you know what, honey, you're watching the same movie that I am. This movie just started. There's nothing to be confused about except what you see on the screen. You know, a good example. Here's a good example. I think a slightly underrated movie, Cabin in the Woods. Not appropriate for your kid. I love Cabin in the Woods. But like, it's very, given how that movie starts inside of some kind of like a government facility with the guy from Six Feet Under and the guy from The West Wing. And you're like, wait, what's going on? What does this have to do with Chris Hemsworth going to a cabin in the woods? Hmm. But you know what I mean? And then over time, it sort of reveals itself. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like if I wanted to turn this into some kind of pro grit opinion piece for the Atlantic, I would say, and I don't, I would say something like, it's nice to develop a tolerance for ambiguity. Um, Is it ambiguity in my understanding of this narrative? Is it ambiguity in my understanding of these relationships? Right. And that's the thing. And I think when you pick up a book, when like I've just, I will occasionally just go and reread a couple chapters of a book that I really like. Like I recently reread. Uh, the beginning of Confederacy of Dunces again, which unsurprisingly is one of my favorite novels. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just delightful to me. Just yeah. so comforting that I'm loving this TV show, Dave, who I've been describing, to, I've been describing the show Dave to people as having a cast that's almost like something out of Confederacy of Dunces, which is exactly as delightful. You know what I'm saying though? So I guess the, at length, what I'm trying to just say is like, it's it, uh, on the one hand, yeah, I, I get it. You want to you have comfort food. You want the thing 
where you aren't ambiguous about what's happening. You understand that Draco Malfoy is the bad guy. Part of the genius of those goddamn books is just the way that it's, it's, it's a twist on a school year every year. And like you, but you've got the pattern. So when that starts breaking in the last books, it's a big deal. Like it's a really big deal that they're not going to go back to Hogwarts after all of that. Because you've sure. gone through all of these, these what are five or six books of all, you know what I'm saying? And so like, is it, a, is it a question of like, I don't like feeling dumb and like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, cause that is a muscle that does, and I'm not, I'm not counseling anything except for a fact. The fact that I'm counseling is that as you develop more comfort or tolerance for ambiguity, that's going to make something like eventually Tristram Shandy, um, Ulysses, um, maybe even a hundred years of solitude. If you're basic, like there's a lot of books that are going to be, that are going to reveal themselves with much more delight. You're going to develop more ardor. If you're okay with the fact that this is an unusual book, it's not weird. They're not trying to fuck with you, but there is a world where you're going to have to get with how this world is. And it won't all be obvious to you by the end of the first chapter. That's hundred years of solitude is, is, is just, it's just like reading the Talmud. I think, uh, loving it's, the time of cholera is the direction. To I've go never there. read, I've never read cholera. I've read, but like to me, um, and I read, I think I read, uh, I talk about it a lot cause it made an impact on me, but I think I've, I've definitely read it once and probably maybe twice, hundred yeah. years of solitude. Yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, it's the Cimmerillion of years later of, as he uh, faced the firing squad, magical Colonel realism. Aureliano Buendia <laughs> would remember the distant day his grandfather took him to discover ice. I'll never the, forget that line. Marlowe came in the other day with a <clears throat> with a uh, graphic novel of, and it was a Star Wars based one. And Is she it said, one of "Marvel, Marvel ones." Exactly. It was, and she I heard said, the "Darth Vader series, Dark Vader series is really good." She said, "I don't like this," hmm. Hmm. and I said, "Tell me why." And she said, "Well, for, I don't like the illustrations. I don't think that they look like the characters, but also Car- cartoony. I don't understand what's going on here. Why is this comic book made?" And I said, what's the, uh, what's the publication date? And so she goes to the title page huh. and she says, Oh boy. <clears throat> she says 1992. And I said, okay, so this comic book came at a moment. Marvel was huge. But up until, up until a certain point, Batman had become corny. And she was like, Batman? And I was like, yeah, Batman had become jokey. And part of the effect campy, <clears throat> it had become part, as campy as the TV show in some ways, right? And I said, part of the reason that campy Batman worked is that can't is that Batman was dark, and so to make Batman campy and goofy was effective at a certain point, and everybody laughed. And because it, in, and it, I get what you're saying. Initially, you're playing against type, yes, but it's not like this is going to define the tone of this character for fifty years. Right. Batman was not, not supposed to be funny in the, in the beginning and then making him funny in the sixties was, was its own version of kind of edgy, but then Batman. Very, very, very hip. I mean, that was considered yeah. 19th year. That was the year I was born. And that was considered a pretty goddamn hip show to watch. Oh, sure. I believe ABC Friday nights or whatever And only hip, only hip because. But that's Frank Gorshin. That's the guy who does all the impressions. He's the Riddler. <clears throat> flipping oh my the God. script. But by the late eighties. Batman's corniness had kind of been accepted by everybody. And then a comic book came out called yeah. the dark Knight, yep, yep, and yep. Batman was returned to a darkness and an edginess. And, and that all the was for where that was scary, yeah. right? It was scary to everybody. And part of that was that all the Batman comic book readers that had been reading Batman when they were 10, they were all 22 now. 
and this, and she's just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, so they wanted their comic books to follow them into adulthood. And that began a new whole universe. And this is before the first Star Wars movies or the first, the, the prequel Star Wars movies came out. And she knows that whole story. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, all of these things were a transition of comic books from being for kids to being for grownups. And this Star Wars comic was an attempt to do that to Star Wars before the prequels came around and, and reinvented Star Wars, hopefully for grownups, but also for new kids. And that was a failure. And she's like, right. And I'm like, so this was an attempt of 25 to, to appeal to 25 year olds who had loved Star Wars when they were 12 by making it edgy. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she was like, are they going to do that to Harry Potter? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, when I'm 22, I'm going to be a dark Harry Potter. She's seen the last two movies. Well, and, and and I said, you mean darker than, and she said, oh no, no, no. It got dark, but I'm talking about Harry as a grown wizard living in some yeah, you know, she didn't say dystopian, but like living in some dark wizard. Uh, oh, 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 like a, like a Back to the Future Two world. Well, like no, like he is suddenly he's twenty five and he's fighting against the dark side. Right, right. And is he is Harry gonna because those those last movies he actually traipsed across a couple of lines. She's like, is this going to happen in my future too, where dark where dark heart Hogwarts or like, like it's a, it's <laughs> no longer, Hogwarts. it's no longer kids movie. It's now like some kind of edgy adult full of sex and violence, but starring those characters. Right. And I was like, sweetheart, I have zero idea whether, but that sure seems like something that they'll try and do. Doesn't it? And she was like, yes. Yeah, and With she the implication w- being that that's for people who are now thirty or thirty-five. That yeah, that yeah. the that the that what happens is you bond with the commodity or you bond with the with the uh, with the characters. Well, with the Han Solos, I want that's more right. Han Solo, but I want Han Solo I would enjoy when I'm thirty-five. Right, I want Dark Solo. I want to be told. Huh. I want to be given I've seen that documentary. I want to be given the the. Uh, the hard take, but I want it to be in the form of these characters that I know and love. And you know, that defined the comic book industry for the next 30 plus years. And we're kind of still there, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of those Marvel movies you can watch when you're 10. And I guess they're made to be watched when you're 10, but you can also watch them when you're 40. And you know, there's, there's enough there for you. Um, and a lot of it is nostalgia or a lot of it is like, is like reading um, Big Nate over and over, but they keep coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like if if they were writing uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, except st- starring um, Chris Pratt or Christopher Walken, or Christopher Walken, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, starring Christopher Walken as the Wimpy Kid, age eighty. My my brother has been bullying me in the back of the car. <laughs> What's what's the what's the little one's name? Is it Ike or Nate or what's his name? Who's the little one? Who's the baby? Um, um Horace. Really cute. Yeah, uh, Hernando. I feel bad for the ba- for the dad on that trip. They have on a lot the, of problems on their on their automobile trip. I think it's called something like the Wimpy Kid Takes a Trip or something. 
Yeah, I look at it over her shoulder and go, mm, good luck. Uh, I, I, you know, I haven't sat down and read it because I, read, I looked at the back and I was like, is this dumb or not dumb? And it was not dumb enough that it was like. Can, can I throw one more bomb, obvious. please? Yeah, throw the bombs. Um, I have not given a ton of thought to eight is enough in a long time. I think like you, I had a pretty big crush on Christy McNichol. Absolutely. I always figured her and Abby were playing for the other team in retrospect. But, even then, even yeah. then. Um, hmm. But um, but you know, one of the downsides of that stuff, and this is, I'm going to try not to make this too big of a point so that it loses its meaning. But when we talk about stuff like TV from our youth, we talk about mainstream comics and, you know, the conventional wisdom for so many years amongst really smart people was, before we even had a term like four quadrant movie, it was the idea that like, okay, this movie is rated PG, like every movie was in mm -hmm. the seventies anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Almost everything was rated PG. And uh, God, we went to see Mario at the theater. I can't believe that movie was rated PG. Oh my goodness. Was it for grownups? I, I mean, there was a fair amount of peril that I would consider a little bit PG-13. But in any case, PG was all we had, right? It was G, it was PG, it was R. And PG meant like, you know, it, you take, I'm trying to think of a, a Star Wars perhaps is a, I guess a pretty good example, but it wasn't just Star Wars. It wasn't, I mean, Jaws was too scary for me. But like there were movies where like it was a little romance and there's a little bit of action and like all the classic sort of like old Hollywood idea of like there's some singing and dancing and it's got everything. And occasionally you would get a movie that was fairly successful for everybody, but the most somebody who was there for like a very specific cultural fetish would enjoy this this film to some extent. Right. Grandma and, and the baby can enjoy it, you know, just the same. But increasingly over the years, as genre fiction became a bigger thing and people got more into certain kinds of genre fiction or it became less embarrassing to like Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, or well, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? They're like where it became more okay to like, I'm not saying geek stuff. I'm not saying, I'm saying genre fiction in particular became less of like an embarrassing thing. Well, then the, the dumb thing was you think of the comic movies again, in like the eighties, the post Superman, but pre Iron Man movies for a long time. They, uh, uh, the biggest problem probably was that they, they were impoverished for ideas and didn't have a good budget, but also you end up disappointing everybody because mm -hmm. you're trying, you're, you're trying to do too much with too little. And because it was in some cases, the seventies and eighties, there had to be boobs and everything. There had to be some violence, some kind of like, you know, depraved violence in almost every movie. And you end up making everybody sad or bummed or disappointed, but with genre stuff, you could get fairly specific in like, oh, this is for the genre people. Like this particular, so like you were talking about The Dark Knight, same year you got Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons doing Watchmen, you know? And then, you know, Alan Moore would come back later to do, you know, a kind of famous and controversial Killing Joke comic about Batman in particular that was beyond gritty. Like it was too much. And like today we look back on The Killing Joke as like, oh my God, okay, that's where it kind of went a little bit too far, right? Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, the, the downside of this whole like, you when you, you mentioned eight is enough and all the pro, not pro-social, but you know, like every at the end of every G.I. Joe, they have to tell you to like drink your milk and stay off drugs because that <laughs> became like a mandate in the 70s to like have pro-social values. And yeah, it's like the end of any Don Rickles routine where he's like, actually, I love actually, everybody. Actually, you know, I love everybody except this one over <laughs> here with the flicking on the frickin'. Um, but but the um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like you take something like it is enough and, and like we might have hazy, misty, watercolored memories of these shows that we enjoyed. Like every single fucking Christmas Eve, I always remember the same episode of Happy Days where Richie looks through the garage window and sees Fonzie heating up a can of beans in his garage. 
Yeah, it poor Fonz. So sad when I was a kid. Poor Fonz. But like, alone. what's so like? You you trot out an eight is enough, and I don't mean to be beating up on the Van Hat Van Van Patten, um, you know, uh, media properties. But what's the resolution for all those big issues? Everything mostly turns out fine. You know, the hooky, hooker or the gay person dies. Sorry, the sex worker or the gay person dies because they always have to die in those kinds of things. Something horrible happens. But all the normal people end up becoming a little bit more normal. Right? Well, except, yeah, I, I was thinking you about you this. End, you don't end up with having to interrogate your own ideas about that, that difficult social issue. And but at the, the time, I mean, I think it's important to remember, and this, this was probably true of you, maybe, maybe less, maybe more. I really wanted happy endings and everything. But I, at that time... When I went to the hotel by the ski resort and went up the back stairs, there were always five uh, employees of the ski resort back there smoking weed. And when I walked down to the, to, the, uh, to the park near my house, there were always at least two teenagers like dry humping in the bushes. And I was exposed to, and you know, and my babysitter, as soon as my mom left, her boyfriend came over and they sat on the couch the whole time they were babysitting me, uh, stoned and making out. And presumably after they put me to bed, fucking on the couch. Yeah. And everywhere. I, I, I mean, my dad. My, play with their uh, my dad took me to the tavern and dropped me off and gave the bartender five bucks and said, give him as much whipped cream as he wants. I'll be back in between an hour and two hours. And so the, you know, watching that stuff on TV, first of all, did not seem that far out. Because all around me, you know, if I opened up Time Magazine, I remember very distinctly, there was an article about uh, Evil Knievel trying to jump the Snake River Canyon. And in, the, in Time Magazine, there was a photo of a, of a, a girl uh, sitting on a guy's shoulder, taking her top, you know, like raising her top off, like flashing the camera. And at that point, in that moment, Time Magazine was like, this is, this is life. This is where we are. And so... The happy endings that came at the end of those felt more like, please, God, let there be a happy ending. Because everywhere I look, there, I'm at, at, at eight years old, was exposed to drugs and sex. Everywhere I looked, in every park, in every playground, and not in a, not in a way like today where kids are looking at, at like hardcore porn, but I had to turn to a friend and go, what are they doing? And the friend was like, they're kissing and humping. And I'm like, and so they're not fighting, right? Like, like there was a, there was a, uh, I, I learned all that stuff at a really much younger age just by, by, by being confronted with it. Mm -hmm. And that was because I was out in the park by myself and nobody was minding me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and I was in the back stairs at the ski resort kind of crowding my way through the kids who were smoking pot and they made no attempt to hide it because this was the, this was regular mm -hmm. in 1979 and probably not in 1972 and probably, and de definitely not in 1985, but whatever that, that gen X portal that we went through from 77 to 82, where it just seemed like the wheels had come off. Mm -hmm. No parents weren't watching their kids anymore. And, and that seemed normal and television and movies. Like I watched animal house at a time when I shouldn't have. I watched all those movies and they Me were too. kids. I was movies. 12 when I saw it. 12, yeah. 13. Yeah. 
I mean, my sister saw Jaws when she was seven and wouldn't go in a swimming pool for six years. So I I do see what you're saying about it being. It's just not, the, the happy endings don't have they they don't allow for any. I hate to sound like my stupid fucking thesis here, but like there's very little divergence from a pretty mainstream ideology about like what is acceptable, like what is in the. Oh, everybody comes back and they end up being straight and getting yeah, married. Yeah, and like yeah. the thing is, you're gonna get cautionary tales about the other people. You know, all those other people who aren't as good as the uh, God. What are their names? I forgot their name. Well, whatever. All I'm saying is, it's not that I'm against happy endings or anything like that, or that like I'm worried that it's out of alignment. It's just that you end up telling this incredibly unsatisfying story that gets you know this Michael Landon kind of ending on it that. Well, it's not, and not, again, I'm just to be clear, I'm not saying that, oh, you have to make people sad with, with media, but it's that there's not a lot of room for your mind to turn over what just happened because the ideology took care of everything for you. The problem the now is I've watched three movies in the last two months that were set in the 1940s where they would be in a bar full of servicemen dancing with girls and there were, and it was an integrated bar. Mm -hmm. There were black people throughout there were black people throughout the story and they would not have been not only in a movie, but would not have been in mm -hmm. that environment. And there's a kind of current version of this, which is like reverse engineering a world where there wasn't discrimination in order to make a movie now that has representation. Now it's wonderful to make movies now that have representation, but if you misrepresent what the forties were like, you're raising a generation of kids that hear those stories and they don't make any sense because all the World War II movies they've ever seen, uh, it's an integrated cast, including a gay guy and a, and a trans person. Mm. And it's, well, I haven't seen that yet. But, but the, you know, representation, using, deciding that all media has to represent has to have representation to the degree that you're making a World War I movie where the American troops are integrated is a version of that same happy ending story where it's like, well, we don't want kids to have to confront that and we can't tell the story without representation in modern media. And so we're just going to tell the story as though we're just going to, uh, we're yeah, going to appeal that, to that both is, camps. That's, I can see that's tricky. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I, I was watching a really good show set in the early sixties and there was a main character who was black. It was plausible. He was black but he kept introducing himself as a black man because it was impossible for them to use the word Negro in the show, which is the word that would have been used. And they spent millions of dollars making sure everybody's uh, making sure every car in the background was from 1961. Every watch on everybody's arm was from 1961. I mean, the set design was impeccable on this show and it, and it cost them a fortune to make this show look exactly right. But, they could not use the word Negro right, right, because no one could hear it, you know, because a contemporary audience couldn't hear it. It would, it would, it would, I don't know what it would do. It would murder them. And so, but that little detail for somebody who's looking for details, for me, it was just like, boing, weird. It's weird no, because I, it's I, a I, historical drama, right? I mean, it's one, it's one thing like. Well, actually, I don't want to say this. What I was going to say was that, like, I remember when I very first would see episodes of Doctor Who from New Who, like post-2005 Doctor Who, where the BBC had done this really amazing job of doing diverse casting. 
And like it, it works. It's about people in London and aliens. And we can afford to have some people in here who are not white dudes and it all works out fine. It's, I think you're saying something different, which is like when we're trying to, it, it, the impact of this historically must not leave out the enmity and the wickedness of that time. And 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 to do the modern thing of saying like well yes we do want to have people represented but at the same time if you do that and you leave out that word you're you're giving a pass to a time that doesn't deserve a pass well right and I think the problem is that they want to tell the story of of some it's just some World War II story mm-hmm. and they and they and they want representation but they don't want to spend the twenty minutes that they feel obligated to to explain racism in the forties to the audience. And they don't have the respect for the for the audience to feel like, okay, the audience understands there was racism in the 40s and understands what that means about the story we're trying to tell. And so it's a form of dumbing it down. But what happens is if you watch it when you're 12 and then you go into school and they say in the 40s there was segregation in the army and then you watch the movie and there isn't. There's a, there's a massive, there maybe an unintended, well, certainly an unintended, maybe a subconscious cognitive disconnect, which I think gets in the way of actually reckoning with the racism in the forties Yeah, yeah. because you're watching it and you're just like, oh, well, everything must've been fine then. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know the solution to it and I know I'm going to get letters on both sides, right? Where people are like, well, whatever the cost, uh, the representation is worth it, whatever the cost. Um, and I don't know the answer, Mm. but certainly it feels, it feels like when Carl Weathers Jr. shows up in force 10 from Navarone, uh, (laughs) um, that that was the seventies way of of doing it, introducing a black character, but he's not supposed to be there. He's a, he, he punched his way into the gang and they're all really suspicious of him and he fights his way into their respect. Uh, that would be also not the way that we would play it now. Right. So, you know, beats the hell out of me showing it to her, showing it to my little one. I did not feel that I needed to lean over and go, he wouldn't have said black. I, like I'm, I, I know it's not perfect, but I kind of feel like Mad Men did a good job with this on a lot of things uh, in the sense of like a part of the show is that there are, especially in the first season, is that there are these lines that don't get crossed. Some of this is for comic effect in like the first or second episode when Sally walks in with a dry cleaning bag on her head. I would not even attempt to explain to my kid why that's so funny. <laughs> it's just that we grew up, you and I grew up after a lot of kids had reportedly died from cribs being lined with dry cleaner bags. And, uh-huh. and we, our whole life, like it was one of those things, like don't, you got to wait half an hour to go swimming after you eat and never, never, never touch a dry cleaning bag. But the stuff like, think about the way in Mad Men, I think it's in the first season where they have to deal with um, the, the, the woman whose family owns the, like basically the Jewish department store. Right. And like the subtlety of like, yeah, we want your business and yeah, where you can come in here through the front entrance and everything. But like, you're still the Jewish department store to a lot of the people who work here. And, but like that, 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 that to me is because that is more fraught, that is more ambiguous, that is more sort of, um, it produces anxiety for me to watch people have to like, 
you know, deal with each other in that way that's, that is not very particularly well lubricated. <laughs> and like, I think sometimes that, that gives you that vibe in a way that's valuable. Whereas just going like, oh, you know, well, I don't know. I don't want to take a cheap shot, but I, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, and, and Mad Men was designed for a fully grown up audience. Oh yeah. Um, I love my old and bold. what I'm noticing now is that the sixties are going to make the fifties look yeah. like the thirties. hundred percent. But, but also the sixties and the cold war now are being repackaged for all of us as a fashionable, fun, uh, Carnaby street, good time because the clothes look amazing and we're going to do some spy show about spies. Yeah. And it's kind of the, it's the way World War II movies ended up just like, oh, you could just invent any story you wanted. Uh, three guys go to find Nazi gold in the top of the Colossus of Rhodes. Where it's more of a setting. It's a setting, right. Then, it's yeah, a set. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a style. It's not that time. It's just that's where it's set. It's clothes. It's music. Love dragons and shit in it. Yeah, exactly. It can be whatever you want within this, within this uh, style that we all understand. And definitely the 60s. I don't understand why they don't do it with the 70s, which is an even funnier and more fun time. But what I'm noticing watching the shows is that they are they are absolutely minimizing and comicalizing the Cold War in a way that none of the movies from the time did. We all understood watching those movies that the fate of the world hung in the balance of whether that guy's umbrella yeah. Function don't play or not. that for laughs. It really fucked me up. <laughs> right. You know, like all those spy movies where it's yeah. like, oh, well, this guy is sitting in a restaurant and he's going to touch the tip of his glasses and you're going to say the word sugarcane mm. and that is going to keep us all safe. And now doing it as like a, like a, um, the King's Men style, like lol. Uh, it's all just like a, it's all just a fashion show. We should all go back and, and oh, my watch keeps ringing. I'm so sorry. We should all go back and rewatch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I know. Well, no, and watch the Alec up, Guinness. That's what I'm saying. Rack up the Guinness version. Put the it up. The Guinness version. I don't even it's know if real you can stream slow. it. Can oh, you I stole stream it? it. Nice stole. Yeah, I got it if you want. See. It's like nine straight hours of Alec Guinness sitting mm-hmm. and staring, <laughs> staring at his own reflection. Just in a his lot of guys talking glasses. about being secret agents, and it's, it's really, really long. But it's if you're ready, if you're ready to really, if you're really ready to put your legs up. Let's yeah. say you've watched Master Commander four times in the last week. You're ready yeah. for a little treat. Time to eat your vegetables. <laughs> That's Sit right. Sit down and watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, to watch the mini- miniseries, the British miniseries. The and movie you looks will... good too. I finally got the movie because I was enjoying the, the miniseries. But um, the movie's good, except it, there's no short. suspense because you know who the yeah. bad guy is. You always know. Well, yeah, it's all it's all jokes and laughs. Oh, Cold War, ha ha ha. But Did in the miniseries, yeah. you know, it's you. Each one of those boring guys gets his you boring don't know who's six the hours. You, it's like it's <laughs> a, the calls coming from inside the, you know, the the bureau. Did you watch? Did you watch the other one that guy's in that uh, Sirius Black is in? If you watched the one on Apple TV Plus, the, yes, um, yeah, the uh, slow the, horses, the slow horses. It's pretty. I good. like it a lot. I do too. I like. I it like a lot that too. a lot. He's question such for a you, I want to leave and edit this and put it up. Let me ask you this: Do you think you might consider showing your kid breaking away the movie? I think Breaking Away, the movie is now gone to very close to the top of the list of, Vincent of movies Gardenia, to watch. Remember? I mean, right after Godfather and Godfather 2, I'm going to, yeah, Breaking uh, Away. Not like people say. He got stepped over. Not, not, not like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, I thought you meant, not like you say. No, not like you say. Uh-huh. You don't talk like a, a man like Mogul like that. <laughs> He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time. <laughs> do you renounce Satan? I do renounce Michael him. Michael Richard. <laughs>
I like him to when he undoes the light bulb. I oh, love yeah. that whole sequence with the parade. Wait a minute. You just made two references that are both in No Country for Old Men. No, oh. not like you say, and the light bulb. Wait, not like is, you say, is that, uh, oh, oh, is at, that the most you've ever bet on a, on a. No, no, no. At the uh, very, at the very end, uh-huh. when, when he shows up at, at her house and says, I'm going to flip a coin. And she says, no, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to play your game. Whoa. And he says, and he says, your husband made a choice. That's why I'm here. And now you're going to die because I offered him that you live and he chose no. And she says, no, not like you say. Not like you say. Huh. Um, yeah. She's too young to watch that too. I, I think probably, you know, you could maybe get some kind of like Christian DVD version that's like 40 minutes long, but I'd wait without a little longer. The, without all the headshots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other kind of headshot breaking away is there another movie are there any other movies like that we're thinking about certainly not meatballs oh that's got chris mcpeace in it if memory serves yeah but there's a lot of i think there's a lot of oh there's a lot of yeah a lot of camp hijinks as we used to call it yeah and and, up the academy what about mad magazines up the academy i don't think so at the very end when you see ralph alfredy newman and it's really upsetting Oh wait, what about uh what about uh police academy? It's all full of bad jokes, right? It's There's all full so of so many police academies. You could totally oh, do that. They go to Russia right. if memory serves at one point. Well, spies like us. Oh, her mom insisted she watched Three Amigos, and she and I both sat there Jesus. with with our eyes rolling in our heads, like, why are we watching this? And okay. her mom's laughing. Oh, this was one of the great movies. See, I, I can't tell you how often I've that that I mean, Caddyshack is still very funny at parts, but that's that kind of movie. I'm with all respect to Ari, where you like you go, oh, this is still, yeah, is still, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything with Chevy Chase past uh, Fletch is, I don't think it, and I'm not even sure if Fletch holds up. You shut your fucking whore mouth. <laughs> you you are gonna go this afternoon. You're gonna hang up your goddamn computer and go watch Fletch all the way through. Doctor, doctor, doctor Rosen, doctor Rosen, Rosen. <laughs> Maybe the head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> All right.